Hello and welcome to the Dime Alive podcast. I'm your host, Aloise Surfleet Middleton. Each week I show you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. I interview top thought leaders changing the world with their work. And I also show you how you can build a life in alignment with your soul, do your dharma, be happier, healthier, live longer and have a deep sense of unshakable inner peace. So without further ado, let's dive into the next podcast. So hello and welcome to the Dharma Life Podcast. I'm your host, Aloise Surfleet Middleton, and this week I want to invite you to my Follow Your Highest Excitement Challenge. I'm going to be running a four-day challenge in my Facebook group. The link is in the section under the YouTube video. Please come and join us. Now is an incredible time on the planet to be building a 5D life in alignment with your soul. And it's much easier to do that with like-minded, conscious community around you. So please come and join the Follow Your Highest Excitement Challenge. You won't regret it. It's a high vibrational community of people changing the world, doing their dharma, making a difference and living in this new 5D energy. You will be absolutely blown away with the life that you can create. If you can believe it, you can create it. Believing is seeing. So today I talked to Beat Simkin. She's a world-renowned meditation teacher, singer and author of the book, Don't Just Sit There. She creates incredible meditation experiences where she uses rock and roll style music to help people awaken. She's had the most incredible life, a life which has gone from tragedy and trauma to enlightenment. She tells her story in this podcast and you get to hear how essentially she had a lot of trauma in her younger years. Um, She was brought up by an awakened shaman in New York City And she then lost her mother at an early age, got into sex, drugs and rock and roll, even heroin. And her whole life started to fall apart. And these became her awakening moments. She then describes how she got the calling. She understood that she needed to step into her path, step into her purpose and has made an incredible transformation and now supports others doing the same. So I do in hope you enjoy this interview. If you're listening, please tag me, please tag her. Please let us know what you think. Beautiful woman doing incredible soul work. So hello and welcome to the Dharma Life podcast. Today I am pleased to announce that I have Beat Simkin with me. She's a world-renowned meditation teacher. She's the author of the book, Don't Just Sit There. And she's also a singer. <laughs> she's even got a book with her. Beat, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me, Eloise. Ah, oh, I just can't wait. We just had an incredible catch up before we started this podcast. And I know this is going to be a podcast full of wisdom. So do you mind just sharing with my audience who maybe haven't come across your work? Um, can you just share a little bit more about who you are and what you're currently doing in the world? Sure. Um, so my name is Biet, as she just said. And um, I've been studying spiritual work since I was a baby. My father was an awakened shaman and a jazz musician and just a 
an all around awakened human being. And I studied mystical work with him my whole life. I studied meditation with him since I was born. And then my, my life was very tragic. So my whole family passed away while I was growing up. And then um, I got into sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which is like, you know, um, a really big part of who, who I am. I think in my spiritual pursuit, I've learned that it's very important for us to mm-hmm. also pursue the personality self, not to just say, oh, well, that's just the personality. That's not my soul. Like my soul is some angelic, white, perfect thing. But then my personality is this rough and tumble, like New York City chic, right? So. <laughs> some blend between those two in the sense that this is planet earth. And so this is the place where personality and soul get to make love. And so when I got sober 11 years ago and redirected my work back to my father's lineage and became a fourth way master and started sharing the work of fourth way with the world and doing mass meditations all over the world with thousands of people all across the globe, um, what I really felt was important was fusing the worlds of pop culture and meditation. I felt like meditation was like this woo-woo, om shanti thing where you had needed a bindi and you couldn't curse and like you had to be, everything was sacred and you needed a pillow and then there, and you had to give up all your desires and belongings and only eat carob. And then there was like the rough and tumble asshole addict you know, kind of tell it to will never meet type thing, opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, like I felt like there was nowhere, like I would go to art galleries and everyone was so stuffy and I would go to (laughs) so cool. And so I was like, this needs to come together. So I started I can so relate. (laughs) So yeah, so what I did was I started bringing mass meditations into um, cultural spaces. So I've done events at Sundance Film Festival. I've done events at the Museum of Modern Art. And in the beginnings of my career, I started with just New York City art galleries and really just asking the question of how can we be present inside of artwork? And then I started scoring the events with my own music. So I have several albums. I have one album out and one album coming out this summer. And I score my mass meditations with my music. So that's the basic story. I think the main idea behind my work is that you don't need to move to an ashram to find enlightenment. And you also don't need to, um, you don't need to put on a bindi or have some kind of personality shift. You can Mm -hmm. actually do it while pursuing the greatness of life. And you can secretly be enlightened, you know, while riding a jet plane to Hawaii. Like you can do that. Yeah. And having fun. You know, like it doesn't have to be spirituality needs to be practical down to earth and have fun. So, and I've seen uh, pictures and films of your meditation. Like if you, people haven't, they should go and check it out because it's seriously fun. Like you're talking thousands of people kind of doing, you know, weird and wonderful breathing and chanting and it just looks incredible. Like that, the energy that must come off that must be incredible for you as somebody holding it. It is because I'm really... Um I've always considered myself more of a rock and roll star than I have a guru, but it's ironic because the truth is, is that like people who know me, um, as much as like my personality is this whole rock and roll thing, when you know me, if you know me and like really know me, like all I do 24 hours a day is just Yoda. Like I am just basically Yoda. That's who I am. So if you like actually spend time with me, that's really what I'm up to. So that is really what's happening is I'm like on a rock and roll stage, Pat Benatar, David Bowie, Lady Gaga, but I'm dispelling stuff that's like, you know, try not 
but only do <laughs> anyway, you know but that's what you know that will integrate in people so much better because they're having such an amazing experience at the same time so it's true i mean some people will hear it some people won't i'm only the right teacher for for the right people and those people will find you absolutely so pivotal moments spiritual awakening can you kind of talk me through the pivotal moment that comes to mind right now um, I, I'm not one of those people who've only had one pivotal moment. I have so many pivotal moments and they keep coming. And I think that's because I'm not done being a student of this work. Mm. I, I'm not done being human. I'm not done being afraid. I'm not done being ashamed. I'm not done being broken. And so I think it's really um, been a series of white light experiences. But I feel like I mean, gosh, just to throw out a few, I, you know, I had my life saved by a doctor when I was 24 years old, when I had a near death experience and I was hauled off to a hospital and had a seven pound tumor removed from my uterus. You didn't even know you had. I didn't know that I had, I, I had had some kind of weird visions and I'm not a vision person. Mm -hmm. And I had weird like voices coming to me and shadowy figures in my room for two weeks or a week. Mm -hmm. And so one night I said to this voice in my room, I said, what the fuck are you? Because honestly, like I, I'm not someone who hallucinates generally. And so it was very confusing. And this voice said to me, you're, you're dying. And I said, like dying in the Sylvia Plath sense of the word, or like I'm literally like dying. And, and the voice was like, no, you're really, di you're dying. Like you're, you're, you're very ill. And I was like, is there anything I can do? And the voice said, yes, you can stop eating. Mm -hmm. And I said, stop eating what? And the voice said, everything. And I was like, so you want me to not eat? And the voice was like, yeah, like just don't eat for a while. And so... And, and that was it. And then the voice just went away and the shadowy figures kind of went away. And I was in a very strange place in my life at that time, but I listened to the voice and I stopped eating, which is, by the way, I love food. So it was very, very hard for me to do. I would like not eat at all. And then like after two days, I'd have like a bite of a cucumber, you know, before kind of like fainting. But I started to hallucinate from protein deficiency during that time. So I started to feel like I was communicating with God. I was like wow. finding playing cards all over the street. I was, I was really, it was really a, a weird and strange time in my life of really heightened state um, of love and what one might call enlightenment. And then one day I lost about 15 pounds. I don't weigh myself, but I just saw like I was much thinner. Mm -hmm. And I looked down at my stomach one night and there was a huge lump in my stomach. And I was like, what is this? So I showed my father who was, in addition to being a shaman, was a medical doctor. And he was like, oh, it appears you have a very large tumor. <laughs> He's like, or like you're three months pregnant, like you are, like something's wrong. And so he had saved the life of this um, famous OBGYN, my father had. And right. so he was like, I call famous OBGYN, he will help now. So he would call them up and then we like rushed to this hospital in Long Island. And then this doctor snuck me into the VIP ward of the hospital. I had no health insurance, no money, no life insurance, like no nothing. Wow. And this guy snuck me into the hospital and then said, okay, well, you're probably never going to have children because you have a seven pound tumor in your uterus. Seven pounds. Yeah. <laughs> he was, you're about to die. He was like, so I'm going to put you into surgery right now and I'm going to remove this tumor if I can. He's like, if I, if I can't, I'm going to have to give you a hysterectomy. He's like, but if I can give you the privilege of having children, I will do that for you because of your father. And so he took a four hours and like carved the tumor out of my uterus. And I wow. woke up like, you can have kids. 
Wow. Yeah. My God. And have you looked up the emotional, like, I don't know off the top of my head, but the emotional reason for having tumours? Because obviously everything's interconnected, isn't it? So I wonder if you look back on that now, what kind of insights you had around why that needed to happen? <laughs> I don't know. It, it felt very like this trauma around mother. My mom had died when I was six. So, you know, to the womb is, seems like a place where, you know, we, if we want to go back there, if we don't know how to live, that's probably why I became a heroin addict too. Cause right after that I got into heroin and so. So share that if you don't mind that, that journey with our audience, because, you know, I think you and I chatted beforehand, like, you know, I was cocaine queen for many, many years. Had very Kitty uh, the cocaine queen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And it was quite probably about 10 years of my life, but I had a very healthy cocaine habit with it culminating in a very rock bottom moment. But, um, I, I've never kind of gone it, got into heroin. So, can you kind of talk me through how you when it got into it, but also transitioned out of it? Because it's quite a heavy, heavy uh, drug to get into. You know, I was into cocaine like you, and mm. I met this boyfriend. His name was Zev, and he was like this total junkie. And he was like walking down the street at night on, what was it? No, it wasn't St. Mark's. It was Ludlow Street. And, you know, we, it was like love at first sight. And, um, and he said to me, like, we went out and he didn't want to tell me that he liked heroin. But then like, by the end of the night, he was like, so like, I do heroin or whatever. And I was like, Oh, great, let's go do heroin. And then we ended up, of course, like falling in love and moving in together. And I got addicted to heroin. That was like the beginning of my heroin addiction. But then um, I continued to off and on with coke and heroin, coke and heroin. And then um, I got pregnant and had to get clean to have a baby. And that was my first daughter, Ula. And she was born in 2005, and she died of sudden infant death syndrome, like four months later. And you know, it's really, it was really hard for me because even though I was clean and she was healthy, I for a long time thought like, oh, this is my fault because mm. I had been on, you know, I was unhealthy and it was, but the truth is, is I have friends who are who were born addicted to cocaine and heroin and they're still alive today so i don't think that her death had to do specifically with my addiction it had to do with that she was going to die and and there was nothing i could do to stop that must have been the most tra traumatic experience like to lose a child you know i just i don't have children but i can imagine it must be like your insides being ripped out it was, it was terrible, but I feel like my life was so riddled with so much pain mm. that I wasn't like, I wasn't that astounded by it at that time. I was very much in this flow of tragedy. My mother had died, my whole family had died, and then I was this tragic musician, and now my baby died, and then my house burnt down, and then my best friend hung himself, and then finally my father died. And it was this kind of cascading of messages, what I would look now call mm. I know we're going to speak about the pandemic soon later mm. inside of this session, but like, I just feel like my life was communicating with me, right? Mm. So if you're listening to this right now and your life is communicating with you and it's loud, like you're broke or you don't know how you're going to make money or you're like, you know, it's falling, apart. It's falling apart. There's a reason why that's happening. It's not accidental because that's not happening for me right now. My life couldn't be more delicious, grounded, well-balanced, um, abundant, like you name it. Mm. 
going the wrong way, going the wrong direction. The universe is definitely giving you signs and signals. So how did you flip it? Like you got the message by the sounds of things. How did you shift out of the heroin addiction and into, you know, this incredible path that you, and life that you've created now? I kicked cold turkey. You know, I just woke up one morning and saw I was doing the work that I teach in my book, Don't Just Sit There. And I could see myself from above by using a tool called divided attention, which is just a meditation that is done in life. And I looked at myself and I could see that I was a junkie, that I was broke, that I was never going to get married. I was never going to make money. I was never going to be the woman I'd always dreamed I was going to be. Mm. And I knew that there was no chance. I just did the math kind of. I was like, wait, so if I just keep doing heroin one day at a time for the next 10 years, like I'm going to be a 40 year old heroin addict. You know what I mean? Cause I was 29 mm-hmm. at the time. And I just couldn't really dig that. I was like, I don't think I was like heroin might be kind of cool at 29, but it's way less cool at 40. And I was just like, that's just a theme from a vanity perspective. It didn't seem like a great path. Mm. I can so relate. That was just, I, like, I remember in my darkest days, I was like, who the fuck am I? <laughs> like, this is not who I'm fucking, excuse my friend, supposed to be. Like, I know who I am. And I, and I, but it just took me getting to that place before I could have that insight. Um, and it really drove me actually, you know, to, to completely shift and change things. So, so I want to get on to the Great Awakening um, because I think it's so important that we talk about it. Um, you know, and we kind of chatted before you came on and I don't know, I was sharing that, you know, for so long, 15 years of my life, I've been in this work, you know, I always knew I was working towards a consciousness shift, but I had no clue and no idea what that consciousness shift looked like. I just knew that that was my job, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'd love for you to speak to the great awakening and, and how you're viewing what's happening on the planet at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's like a great monastery has been created by this pandemic and no one has any outs, you know, like if you go to Vipassana, which is like a 10 day silent retreat, you, many people want to rip their hair out in the midst of a Vipassana retreat. Many people, like you don't want to sit still for 10 hours and meditate all day and barely eat and whatever else is included. And Um, The truth is, is that what you gain from experiences like that is discomfort. And what people would, why would you want discomfort? Why is discomfort necessary? But it's the same thing as like building your body, right? If you want to have a beautiful body, you can't just not do something 40 minutes a day or like an hour a day where you're in a bit of pain. Like it's not going to be for free. If you just lay on your couch and you eat Doritos you will definitely not look the same as if you like eat, you know, vegetables and, and do crunches, right? It's different. Mm -hmm. So, and people don't, I think don't like discomfort because they don't associate discomfort with pleasure. But the truth is, is that this pandemic is the ultimate discomfort. You can't travel, you can't go out, you can't socialize, you can't see friends, you can't work, you can't, I mean, maybe you can work, but you can't work live. Um, You can't go to concerts. You can't see sports. You can't make films if you're an actor or an actress. Like you can't. So this just goes on and on. And there's all these things that you can't do. And the discomfort of that causes a tension inside of our bodies and inside of our minds. And what that allows for is the question, the big question of like, what then am I here to do? What 
can I do with this discomfort so that it can, you know, sort of like a diamond is pressurized. It's a coal that is pressurized and then it becomes a diamond. So pressure, when you apply pressure to something, mm. it becomes this most beautiful thing. Yeah, and I think at the moment everybody's being forced to go inward because, as you said, exactly, we can't go outward. Um, yeah. And I also really believe that the kind of collective shadow is coming up on the planet and, and our shadows are kind of coming up. You know, I've really experienced it in my coaching practice where the you know, people that I'm kind of working with, I'm seeing the stuff that's not in alignment in their lives is like, whoop, you know, it, it's time for you to shift and change that. Yeah. Very much true. And, um, you know, I think it's also a question of like finally tuning your habits uh, for anyone who's been trying to make seismic changes in their habit life. It can be difficult when you have so much distraction, when you're constantly being given toys to play with and shopping and trips and this and that. It can be hard to focus on the agreements that you've made in this life. You've made it, you made an agreement like there's a price of admission to get to this planet. Mm -hmm. and we've made this agreement. And if you're sort of similar to when I got sober, I feel like the universe was kind of like, okay, like time to pay for that, you know, time to pay. And I was like, I'm not fucking paying. Like, I don't want to pay. And it, it, so when you say, I don't want to pay, the world will destroy you until you pay. You will pay. It's sort of like a bill collector or like a mafia you know, man, like coming to your door with a gun. And I feel like when my house burned down, when my baby died, when my father died of a heart attack, like those things led me to finally surrender and ask the question like, okay, what do you want me to do? I, mm -hmm. I'll do whatever you say. And this is the same. The pandemic is saying to everyone right now, um, you have something you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm you have something you're supposed to do and you know what the fuck it is. Like no one's getting away with, it's different for everybody, but it's something and you know it. And, um, and some people right now are just drinking through this, mm -hmm. fucking through this, crying, <laughs> like hiding through this. And that's their karma in the same way that it was mine. When I hid in a half burnt down home doing heroin for four months, that was what that was the best that I could do at that time, and there's a reason because I was burning through something. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, I, I do think we've got kind of different people at different points in their journey, and people at different densities, and you know, I think it's fascinating because I think it will get harder and harder to continue. I, I like I agree, I agree with you. I think we've all got contracts, we've all got a higher purpose, we all came here for a reason, you know, and it's just waking up to that. Um, and if, you know, I think the people who are necessarily drinking through it and avoiding it, you know, that will get harder and harder to do just as we, as a planet, you know, ascend. Um, so I would love to know, um, from you, like, how is this impacting you? Like, cause I personally am actually quite enjoying that, you know, the lockdown and observing and what's happening. And, um, but I'd love to know from you, kind of, is your business shifted? Is your business changed? You know, has anything or is it just like business is normal? Um, my business is similar to what it was and, and I'm doing well. I just feel like um, there was a, a, 
an ability to connect with people who are very far away from me, which is, which is different. So I'm able to do events and collaborations with people who might be in the UK or might be in Paris or whatever. Mm. So that's different than it used to be because before I used to do live experiences. And so live means live. Live means that if, you know, Nancy's in the UK, that she can't merge with Lucy who's in LA. Right. So it's sure. got to be, right. So that's changed. And I, no, I wouldn't say, I'm not super enjoying all of this. That's not the word that I would use to describe it, but that's just me. I'm actually happier than I think I've ever been in my whole life. Mm. But the weird thing about, for me, is that happiness doesn't necessarily correlate with enjoyment, if that makes sense. Like happiness is like a state. Mm. And so I may be experiencing a lot of happiness and tranquility, but there's also a lot of boredom. Like for me, like my life used to be very fabulous. It was very dramatic. There was like red carpet events and celebrities and like fun, you know, fun adventures all the time and tropical islands and, you know, that shit. So I think I've gotten a little bit addicted to all that stuff. I'm really into it. Like I find it like a such a joy. But what I have found is that the pandemic stripped me of all of those things. It stripped me of nail salons. It stripped me of spas. It's mm, hairdressers. Hotels, <laughs> like it's all been taken. And so what I'm left with is just the one agreement that I made as soon as this thing started. And I didn't make this agreement consciously. I just, it just happened to me. I was like, I am not complaining while this is happening. Like until this is over, there's, I'm not going to complain, period. And that has been something that I have been committed to. And it's been very, very um, delicious, but it's, it's just the nature of like, I'm just not complaining. And so therefore I'm much more at peace and much happier. The other thing is expectations, right? So before this started, again, my life was very fancy and filled with adventure. And also like whenever I would open my email, it was like, oh my God, so-and-so emailed. And now I'm gonna do this. Like it was always these fun new opportunities. And again, I think a lot of that has like toned down slash changed during the pandemic. And so my expectation was before that, like by the end of the day, I'd be like dining with Obama and like, do you know what I mean? Like I had these crazy unrealistic expectations. So sometimes I would get sad midday because I was like, I am just not living up to my standards. At this <laughs> I know today is going to be exactly like yesterday. I'm going to hang out with my baby. I'm going to hang out with my amazing husband. I'm going to like do some podcasts. I'm going to connect with my clients. I'm going to, you know, walk around nature. That's about it. You know, maybe I'll do a, I have an at home sauna. I'll do a sauna and I'm going to work out. Like that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And so my expectations are so low that by the end of the day, I'm like, okay, that was a great day. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but reconnecting so- to just simplicity. So simple. Yeah. And I think that, and I think that's beautiful. And I think it's refining all of us. And for me, I say it can really feel like it's refining me. Like the person I'm going to walk out of this thing, like, you know, Mad Max, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like, like, again, I wouldn't call what I'm going through inside of all of this pleasant, but I do feel like it's literally sculpting me. Like I literally feel like God or whatever I call it, God is coming in and just like chiseling away. And, and I feel like I'm being created and I can almost see be yet a year and a half from now or whenever this is fucking over, like walking out and being like, I cannot believe I was that other person that I had been. Cause I literally feel like I'm being molded into a new human being. Mm. Yeah, I do think there's like, for me, it was another level of awakening when all this stuff 
kind of kicked off you know I just saw the world I had things I hadn't seen before and I was just like I really I really believe that this is the bit you know, this is the shove you know we've had the last 12 years where so many people have been waking up getting into mindfulness and meditation and you know I think this will be the final push you know that we need to really make the changes that we do need on this planet you know there's some big stuff that needs to shift and change <laughs> So I want to just say thank you, first of all, for coming on. Is there another book in the pipeline? No, I have a new record coming out. This oh, summer. so we didn't talk about your music. Yeah, tell me about that. Um, there's not much to say. I mean, my music is like, it's contemporary. So this new record is a pop record. And I also have um, a, another band that I'm working with doing a mirror record that will be released at a similar time. And these records are meant to be used during ecstatic meditation, which is what cool. I do. You can go to my Instagram to see like those practices. If you, do, I have a five-minute meditation up on my Instagram live right now. I mean, not live on IGTV, but like it's meant to be done in this way. Like I teach these practices that are just kind of s- step you into the highest vibration that you could possibly be in. And this music is meant to make you feel in love and sexy and alive. It's not like, oh, no, no. It's not like that. <laughs> Upbeat. <laughs> yeah, not that there's anything wrong with Onomo. I love, I love. I like that song too, but I know what you mean. <laughs> you want to get down or kind of really shake it up a bit as well. And I how can I feel the way I did when I listened to like you know you two in the in the eighties? You know, I want to feel like that when I'm meditating. Absolutely, yeah. Why not? And how can people find you? Um, Instagram's good. I'm at guided by Biet. and then my website is also guidedbybiet.com. And um, or bietsimkin.com. I'm trying to think of what else. And my record is Biet uh, the Lunar on Spotify. That's the last record, but the new one is going to be called Mercury. Oh, you're on Spotify. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I'll go and, yeah, I'll go and yeah, I'm on Spotify, and iTunes. And then this book is on Amazon, so I don't know if you can link it to there. But Yeah, I will put no problems. Don't just I will put all of the details in the show notes. Yeah, I have to admit, I haven't read it, but I am planning to. Oh. Yes, oh, I know. It's going to totally rock your socks. It's like, yeah, I've done a bit of fourth way stuff and I really enjoyed it. So, oh, yeah. If you like fourth way, you'll, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm excited. I will definitely get it. But uh, thank you, Biet. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Fine. Lovely to finally meet you. Obviously, we've got a mutual friend and it's taken us a while to connect, but I'm really pleased we managed to. Same. Thank you so much. (laughs) We'll see you next week with another amazing guest. So what did you think? Such a lovely, lovely woman. I really wanted her. She was really open, really friendly, really down to earth, just really honest. You know, we had a lot of parallels to our journeys. So I'd love your thoughts. How did you get on? What did you think? Are you inspired? We have to step into our highest path and purpose. It's why we came. So as she said, you know, when she resisted it and when she moved away from it, when she was off her path, the universe was really, really trying to wake her up and give her signs and signals. This week, I want to invite you to my Follow Your Highest Excitement Challenge. I'm going to be running a four-day challenge in my Facebook group. The link is in the section under the YouTube video. Please come and join us. 
Now is an incredible time on the planet to be building a 5D life in alignment with your soul. And it's much easier to do that with like-minded, conscious community around you. So please come and join the Follow Your Highest Excitement Challenge. You won't regret it. It's a high vibrational community of people changing the world, doing their dharma, making a difference and living in this new 5D energy. You will be absolutely blown away with the life that you can create. If you can believe it, you can create it. Believing is seeing. Thank you so much for listening to the Dharma Life podcast. I do hope you enjoyed this episode. Please come over and say hello on my Instagram, our Facebook group. And also, please let me know what you thought. So if you are listening, please take a screenshot of the podcast that you are listening to. Tag me on Instagram and I will reshare your post. And please let me know what it is that you got out of today's episode. Remember, when we do our Dharma, we are happier, healthier, we live longer, and we have a deep sense of unshakable inner peace.